0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. This week's episode is entitled Critical Race Theory. What is it and why is it so hated by so many white Christian Republicans? According to Stephen Sawchuk, a writer for Education Week, an online newspaper, critical race theory is defined as, and I quote, an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. The core idea is that race is a social structure and that racism is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policy. The basic tenets of critical race theory, or CRT as it's called, emerged out of a framework for legal analysis in the late 1970s and early 1980s, created by legal scholars Derek Bell, Kimberley Crenshaw, and Richard Delgado, among others. A good example is, is when, in the 1930s, government officials literally drew lines around areas deemed poor financial risk often explicitly due to the racial composition of inhabitants. Banks subsequently refused to offer mortgages to Black people in those areas. The article in Education Week goes on to say, and again I quote, the theory says that racism is part of everyday life, so people, white or non-white, who don't intend to be racist, can, nevertheless, make choices that fuel racism," end quote. This concept is something that I've tried to share through the past episodes of this podcast. There are many, white as well as non-white, who have no intentions of being racist. However, they can and do make choices that fuel racism. What we must realize is that if an individual is not made aware of their choices, which causes the damage or wrongs that invokes racism, they will never be able to correct their actions. This means that they will not only always be racist, but they will continue to pass their racism on to others for generations to come. Therefore, we should all be willing to openly discuss and talk about racism in order to see it from the perspective of those who feel that these bigoted actions and laws are keeping their lives at a level that's unfair and totally biased. Refusing to address racism and bigotry in the church as well as in this country is definitely something that fuels racial prejudice and discrimination. When a prophet, pastor, preacher, teacher, evangelist, or leadership in the body of Christ refuses to deal with or teach against racism from their pulpits, it leads the congregations to believe and feel that their bias is not only what's best and right, but it's also what God ordained for them as whites or even as Christians to receive. They literally don't see their biases as being racist, just as their privileges and rights. Open, honest discussion on racism is a necessity, especially in the body of Christ, because in actuality, that's where the root of racism lies. Being quiet about racism doesn't help or change a thing. In the words of Dr. Kirk Franklin, it's not what someone says, but it's when they keep quiet concerning racism that hurts. When Barack Obama was running for president, I heard one pastor tell his congregation not to discuss certain matters and that if he heard anyone talking politics in his church, he would personally deal with them. At that time, it sounded like good advice and wisdom. However, that same advice was not given by that pastor when Donald Trump ran for the same office in spite of his divisive platform. There were even some pastors who told their congregations that if they didn't vote for Donald Trump, they would go to hell. What many don't understand is the fact that Christianity and politics do not mix. There is separation of church and state. When I would go to church on Sundays, it was not to give someone's political opinions. It was for the total purpose of hearing God's word, which would glorify the Father. But yet again, it was and is in the church where the hatred, racism, and bigotry stems from. Therefore, that's where it must be dealt with in order for its roots to be destroyed. Ignoring and refusing to discuss racism hurts the entire body of Christ, not only in the natural, but spiritually as well, because without these discussions, it means that certain things will never be addressed and corrected. If these matters are not addressed, then it also means that when Christians stand in the judgment, and they will, that they will be held accountable along with their leadership that refuse to take on this matter openly, especially because for the most part, that's where it started, in the church. Refusing conversations on these issues inadvertently leads to discrimination and hatred. If I truly love someone, I will tell them when they're wrong. I won't say it in anger, but in love with gentleness and kindness manifesting the fruit of the spirit. If someone truly loves me, I would want them to tell me when they feel that I'm wrong. I've had this to happen with the podcast. I have had some to tell me that they don't agree with what I say. And yes, I believe they did it with love. However, because they said it doesn't mean I have to agree or change, but it should and did bring about even more of an awareness and in attention to the conversations that I'm attempting. I am responsible before God for my actions and words, even more so if I am wrong and refuse to listen to correction. So it is with the church and its leaders. If and when they refuse to listen and adhere to correction and won't even seek the face of God as to whether or not they are in error, they will stand in the judgment even more so. Going back to the article from Education Week, it reads further, and I quote, Some critics claim that the theory, and he's continuing to talk about critical race theory, or CRT, advocates discriminating against white people in order to achieve equity. They mainly aim those accusations at theorists who advocate for policies that explicitly take race into account, end quote. So let me ask, if equity is to be achieved, if fairness and non-bias is to be attained, then those who have been unfairly treated by these biases and racist acts, should they not be considered? If that's so, then how can fair non biased changes be made if race is not taken into account? How can fair changes be made concerning blacks and non-whites if they should not be considered in those choices? How can jobs, housing, education, and life itself be equal to everyone if these things which are already affected and were created because of racial discrimination do not become fair and equal without taking race into consideration? Even now, predominantly Black and Hispanic schools suffer because of racism. Going back to the words of Mr. Sawchuck, it says, scholars who study critical race theory in education look at how policies and practices in K-12 through education contribute to persistent racial inequalities in education and advocate for ways to change them. Among the topics they've studied, racially segregated schools, the underfunding of majority Black and Latino school districts, disproportionate discipline of Black students, barriers to gifted programs and selective admission high schools, and curricula that reinforce racist ideas. Let's talk about that curricula for just a minute tradition for my family that my sisters and I were taken care of after school by my my maternal great-grandmother while my mother worked. However, before we went to my great-grandmother's house, we always got to stop at my paternal grandmother's house first. Once I had wanted to impress her with what I had learned in school that day, and I said, grandmother, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. I didn't even know what a cotton gin was, and being a city girl with no family in rural areas, I had never even seen cotton growing. Nonetheless, I felt it was necessary to share this information with my grandmother. She looked at me and said, baby, Eli Whitney didn't invent the cotton gin. One of his slaves did, and when he showed it to the master, the master took it, put his name on it, and became a rich man because of what his Negro slave had invented. She then told me that there were many, many inventions by Negro slaves, but the white slave owners had gotten the credit for them, and that wrong history and credit is still being given and taught in schools today. Critical race theory calls for the correction of this misinformation. It calls for fair, unbiased, and true information concerning the history of this nation, which includes blacks. That would include telling the full, accurate history of slavery, which is why so many white Republicans don't want it taught. That would mean that many would have to look back and acknowledge the secret shames of the United States of America. It would mean telling that America is not and did not become the great nation that it is without the help, labor, support, and love of indigenous, blacks, and other races besides white people. CRT merely wants the truth, all of the truth, to be told. Many years ago, I wrote a blog and then a sermon on secret shames. Secret shames occur when terrible, hurtful, humiliating things happen in a person's life and they're too afraid, too embarrassed and ashamed to talk about them. They can't or won't talk about the rapes, molestations, abuses or any number of the other painful things that occurred in their lives. They want to keep them covered, never to talk about them in hopes that no one will ever know. Women, children, and even men were told to be quiet and don't talk about what someone else had done to them during those painful experiences. And because they weren't allowed to express them, those things became the very issues that kept them bound. Those were the events in their lives that caused the mental breakdowns and emotional traumas. It was those don't talk about events that caused so many to repeat the same offenses against others, including their own family members. It caused their depressions, sadness, lack of successes, and any number of mental, emotional, psychological, and physiological outcomes. What happened to slaves, blacks, and non-whites in this nation since its origins are its secret shames. They can no longer be kept secret, but they must be talked about no matter how painful they are. These are a very small part of the things that CRT is about. So I hope you will join me again next week for more of Critical Race Theory. What is it? And why is it so hated by so many white Christian Republicans? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amiteagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net and through the Facebook post or Facebook messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support and may God bless each and every one of you.